From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 80. Today's show is brought to you by MailRoute, Backblaze, and IT Pro TV. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Good morning, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. How you doing? I'm very well. How are you, sir? I feel, I feel closer to you for some reason this week. We're closer in time. Yes. In space. No. No? Just time. Okay. Maybe if I shift my chair ever so slightly. Oh yeah, I'll right move. Direction. I'll move to the. Well, no, I'll make move me away, away from the microphone. But yeah, this is that time when uh, the the United States has moved forward in time by an hour, and uh, and so we're an hour closer to you because because uh, the United Kingdom has not yet moved forward in time by an hour mm-hmm. to British summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long is it before you before you move your clock ahead? Uh, two weeks. We have two weeks. Two weeks. That's not that's not too bad. No. But you have two weeks where everything on your calendar is topsy-turvy because the mm-hmm. Americans are closer to you. It is nicer, though, because I do everything just a little bit earlier. Yeah. It means I go to bed earlier, too. It's, yeah. it's, all, it's all good. That's nice. The Upgradians are assembling. They are. They are. The, the, it's, 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 it's happening. So the hoodies and the t-shirts are arriving. Mm-hmm. The Saturday seemed to be the big day where so many people got their, got their upgrade hoodies. I have um, a hoodie and a shirt in Memphis. Uh-huh. I also have my others on the way. They are in the UK, so I may have my merchandise in the next couple of weeks. Which means now that the hoodie secret is out there. But yes. we are not going to spoil it, because people are still receiving them. If right. you want to know, it's possible to find, you know, if you yes. look through tweets to the Upgrader account or tweets to me and Jason, look at the images coming in. You will be able to see. Maybe in a couple of weeks' time, we can t- put some nice pictures in the show notes. Uh, but not right now, because I don't want to spoil the secret, because everybody on this side of the Atlantic doesn't have their hoodies yet. Right. And yeah. Exactly you have right. yours? I do have mine. I look like they came out really well. I'm very, very excited, actually. They did. It, it's funny. I, I actually... So I've had one... <laughs> speaking of time travel, I've had one since, like, December. Because they made a sample for us, because this wasn't something that they had done before at the Cotton Bureau, um, and they had to get work with a partner who had the embroidered patch, and they had to they had to um, w- get the the hoodie, which is not something that we'd done with them before. Very, and it's a specific uh, make of hoodie that uh, was one of their ones that was available, and it's it's actually my favorite heavy uh, hoodie uh, design. So. Uh, so they made me a sample, so I've had that for a while. It wasn't quite right. There were a couple things we changed based on the sample, mm-hmm. uh, but now I've got the real, the real thing, and it's it's uh, it's very nice. So it's 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 fun to have that that project be over and for people to be getting them. And yeah, I mean, if people want to post what the secret is, they are welcome to. I've uh, I've heard from a lot of people who just said they liked the secret and then yeah. and then didn't and then didn't uh, specify it, and then one person did did uh, have a picture of it. So you know, it's it's out there if you want to look for it. The truth is out there. Mm-hmm. Last week was a great episode. Uh, you and Mr. John Syracuse. Um, oh, thanks. That's right. Yes, you were you were not here. So I so here. I I this is the second uh, time. It to- is it is really topsy turvy. We we did that on a Sunday night with with John instead of you. Uh, that was fun. It's always fun to talk to John. I I don't talk to John one on one very often, other than when we're talking about robots or not. And we only mm-hmm. do that every few months. I had many things. I was I was many times during the show screaming at the screaming. At I'm sure you were. Uh, over that's part of the joy things. of you not being on is mm-hmm. I get to say things and I can hear your future screams. 
but there was so I could I could pick up many of the things, especially the last segment of things you can't talk to Mike about, <laughs> uh, especially the phone portion. Uh, but we won't go into that right now. But there was something I couldn't <laughs> let go, which was a very it was a passing comment. It was a passing comment in a you know de- looking down the nose from Mr. Syracuse or Mr. Snell. Yep. Uh, and I believe it was John that said, but you wholeheartedly agreed with the the. Uh, the idea that the iPad Pro does not do well as a television. Correct. Okay. So I'm glad we agree about this, Mike. <laughs> this is this is the statement that you made, and I need to address that statement because I couldn't disagree with you more. Uh, and these, I will list my my feelings about this. So one, the screen is nice and big, and it looks great. Um, I will not take it from anyone. It's you know it's not as great as a 50 inch plasma, but it's a really nice screen. And when you hold it close it enough is. to you, it's nice and big. You know, it's like the perspective thing. It looks good. The speakers are really good on it. Um, I love the speakers. I was listening to some. I was listening to a podcast today on my iPhone, and I switched over to my iPad, and the difference is so incredible. Those those four speakers are fantastic. But here's one of the other things that I think make it good. It has all the apps that you want. It has more apps on it than the Apple TV does for content, right? Looking at you, Amazon. They're all on there. So I think that makes it a good TV device. And I think the main thing, though, the main reason why I think that the iPad Pro is a good TV is because it depends on the device that you're looking for. Like, I know what a big screen experience is like. There are times that we choose to do that. Like, we were just watching House of Cards, and we watched the majority of episodes of House of Cards on the big TV. Uh, because it was a like a big spectacle thing. But there were some that we watched in bed because we tend to prefer the comfort, me and Adina I'm talking about, my, my lovely lady friend. We like to be in bed when we watch TV. And the best way for us to do that is with the iPad Pro. It's better than trying to fit a 50-inch TV into bed with us. And it looks, the screen is great. The speakers are great. It is a good TV. So uh, that is my feeling, no matter what you say. Um, or no matter what John says, that is that's the truth. So what you're saying is 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 Mike was right. <laughs> no, it's more John and Jason were wrong. I think. Uh, yeah, I I get it. Uh, so uh, the ergonomics of it, I think, is the what I have a problem with. And maybe you know these kids today with their iPads in bed watching TV, it's fine. But when whether my wife or I see a uh, a video that we want to share when we're when we're you know, getting up in the morning or going to bed at night, like, oh, there's this funny... A lot of times in the morning, it's like, did you see this funny video or did you see this movie trailer? Why don't you look at it? And then it becomes this thing where you're kind of holding it out and both people are trying to see it, but nobody's at quite the right angle and you got to kind of hold the iPad there in order to get it or maybe you try to fit it in mm. uh, like an angle that's right. And uh, like last night, we watched uh, we watched uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver before going to bed and we have a TV... It's not a 50-inch plasma, but we have a TV. It is attached to the wall in our bedroom, and I was able to turn on the TV and and turn it to HBO and watch Last Week Tonight, and I didn't have to hold anything. Yeah, but we're it not was, holding, though. Like, it was it's big. It's got a stand. So, so we where just does, put it down. So you, you, have it, you have it in a stand? On so I have the, it in the keyboard cover. Okay. So like, and, and then we just we put it in the middle of us. Okay. Is that not is that not tilty or tenuous? Is it is it does it not gonna like flop over? Never does unless one of us is moving around like a crazy person. Like if one of us stands up, right, there might be enough. <laughs> this sounds so weird. Uh, so you know, remember to down, stay man. very still while watching not TV. Very still. See stay now you're putting words still. in my mouth now, and I will not accept that. 
It, sta- it stays oh. up perfectly fine on its own. We never have problems of it falling over. Also, our cat would just come along and push it over. Yeah, we that also would happen. That that also would absolutely happen because he thinks iPads. Our cat thinks iPads are the least cat-like thing in the world, which means he must rub on them all the time in order to get them to be more cat-like and smell more like a cat. So the iPads, the corners of our iPads are just a target for him. So he would he would knock it over if we even tried something like that. But I don't know, even if it's like down, and I, I, it's great that, that, that you're comfortable watching it that way, but I, I don't, um, I'm comfortable watching an iPad as a TV if it's just me. But I'm not. I I don't find it comfortable to watch a show with my wife mm-hmm. in uh you know whether we're in bed or on the couch or whatever with the iPad because it just it doesn't feel comfortable to me. No, I understand that. I'm, it works for you. That's great. But I think that's where John and I are both coming from. Is is that while it's a uh, while you can do it for us, it's like that would be a last resort, not a preference. Yeah, no, I get it because it is a whole. It is definitely a different strokes thing. Uh, but I just wouldn't allow the the sweeping statement to be uh, unanswered. So there is my answer. Yeah, I'm surprised that that was what you uh, that was what you complained. Actually, I'm not. I I knew you would complain about that. I <laughs> last last week's episode was a, a series of of things that we just discussed gleefully. Things that I know that you would not. Yeah, no. that you would object to. I it got great. it. Don't worry, I got it. You know the whole yeah. pizza discussion. I you know I just don't have the time. We would be we would be spending the entire episode yeah. uh, with me arguing. Well, yeah, with you and you and I are. Well, I mean, John is just John. John's going to have his take on pizza. I, I, uh, you, you and I are are much more aligned on mm-hmm. pizza than I. It, that felt very much like a robot or not conversation where I get in this mode where I'm just trying to probe John and find out what his own rules are. Uh huh. Um, and that that you know that's sort of my objective there is not to prove him wrong because he's not wrong or right. It's just his. Uh, his his uh, worldview. I'm trying to get at his worldview, but I don't I don't share it obviously because I make pizza that is pizza and and I make pizza that is something else by his definition, and so be it. Uh, this weekend we're making pizza. Me and Danny we decide we're gonna we're gonna make pizza this weekend, and uh, the ingredients that I have requested a pepperoni and pineapple. So <laughs> I will be making a pepperoni and pineapple pizza this weekend. So look forward to follow up on that on next week's show on the pizza cast. I think the Supreme court pizza vertical, the Supreme court of pizza has left an opening for us with the approval, the sort of limited approval of the Hawaiian pizza and the approval not- of pepperoni as a topping. I feel like we're so close to be, to getting that passed through, you know, I don't know. I don't know quite how we, uh, how we will, I think our society will have to change to accept that you could replace ham with uh, with with uh, pepperoni and it's still valid pizza. Well, see, this is the thing, right? So a lot of John's reasoning was based on the fact that he was judging New York pizza. Yeah, right? well, that's that's exactly it. So this is this is Mill Valley pizza, <laughs> <laughs> and you are yeah, it's California pizza. Well, I mean, that's that that John would agree with you. He's like, yeah, California again, like he said, California. You guys could do all sorts of crazy things out there, and that's there's nothing I can I can't really answer that with anything other than yeah I suppose so like make like make weird pizza that tastes good. So listeners of this show I think should go uh, straight away after hearing this and listen to episode three hundred and ten of Mac Power Users. Uh, you uh, joined J- uh, David and Katie uh, to talk about your first year as a as an independent publisher and, and David's 
first year. Of course, I mean, it, it really yes. is more of David's anniversary than mine. Mine's mine's a little. It's almost coming up a year and a half now. But for David, it is it is his first anniversary of being out on his own, and that was the motivating factor for that interview. Was oh, the, yes. the I, I felt bad for Katie because she she had a, a career change too, but it's not it's not the same sort of thing. She's just doing a different mm-hmm. uh, different firm kind of thing. But for for me and, and David, it's you know we were. It was very similar to the conversations we've had over lunch for the last, you know, five years. Uh, he and I have both been talking about this subject, and this time we did it for Mac Power users. So uh, the, I have that queued up. I'm very excited to listen to it. I'm listening to an audiobook right now uh, for Cortex, so I have to finish that. But as soon as that is finished, this is my, oh. next, is my next listen. Is that uh, you're listening to an audiobook for Cortex? Is that uh-huh. another like strange 1990s self help book that has no. been dis- has been disavowed and disclaimed, but yet is still available on audio? I made the choice this time and chose okay. Creativity Inc. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's 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 fine because I've that's... wanted to listen to that or read that book for a while. So, oh, you you can listen to the incomparable episode afterward. Did you do an episode about that? We did. That's where I know I've heard it. I've listened to uh, that before, and I knew I heard uh, I it somewhere. That's it. And that was it. Because you guys were, I remember now, because there are things that happen. And I'm like, I'm sure I've heard this before. What podcast discussed this? <laughs> it was you. Look at that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes too. And I will re-listen to that, having uh, having heard the book. I- I'm enjoying it. I am enjoying it. So I'll be talking about that on the next episode of Cortex. If you want nice. to tune in, you can feel free to. Um, I also, last piece of uh, last piece of follow-up, which is something that's happening in my life right now. I made my first order with uh, Amazon Prime now, today. Ooh. Is it coming by drone? Is it being dispatched by drone? So this is why we mentioned it, right? Uh, this is why I brought it, because we, we spoke about that drone discussion many, many weeks ago. Um, and basically what it was is it was kind of my my original kind of thinking about the the drone was ordering video games. And yeah, that you're was... going to have a video game in a box delivered mm-hmm. by a drone. That was exactly what I did today, but with Prime now. Because there's a game out now called The Division. It's the new uh, Tom Clancy game based on Tom Clancy stuff. I don't even know if they're books anymore. Um, and I've been seeing great things from it for some friends. Federico's got it. He says he really enjoys it, so I decided I wanted it. And it would be, for, in my situation, quicker for me to order it by Prime now than try and download it. It's like a 36 gigabyte game. <laughs> so I ordered it, and just as we started recording, I heard a, a, a thunk downstairs. So it's come through the letterbox. So I'll be playing that today. Now, where I live, we don't have the within one hour Prime now. And I didn't know this existed, but there is a kind of a second tier of it where it's same day. Ah. Uh. Um, so I ordered this at like 11 a.m. this morning, and it arrived at 3 o'clock, and my delivery window is between 2 and 4. And in the app, once it's dispatched, you can track the person in real time. It's, it oh. really is kind of terrible and brilliant at the same time, you know? These things kind of... The fact that they exist feels so bad that, like, you know, I ordered a video game today, and somebody brought it to me from a warehouse and put it through my letterbox. But I love that it exists for the exact same reason. I've never used it because um, Mill Valley is not in. Although we have pizza, it have is not in. Have you checked it recently? Because it's, it's not in. I checked it. I checked it last week. Okay. And we are not listed in in Prime now. I, I I have the app. I keep looking, but I, I we haven't gotten coverage. It really is kind of cool. I mean, they have a limit. I think it's like forty or fifty pounds you have to spend, which makes sense to me. Like if I was ordering like a bottle of milk, that would be just atrocious. Um, mm-hmm. 
to have this person bring to me, but it's really cool for this kind of thing. It didn't cost me anything more as a Prime member to have it delivered today. So it's a big thumbs up from me, so I know what I'm going to be doing once the show's over. Interesting. Playing a video game or ordering more things on Prime now? (laughs) Both. (laughs) All right. Playing the game of ordering things. They should call it Prime soon if you don't get it in an hour. Prime at some point. Less catchy. Prime today. Later today. Let's take a break. This week's episode is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Do you have a career plan set in motion? Whether you're looking to start a career in IT or if you already work in the field, uh, you want a little bit more information maybe. Certificates and credentials are the key to getting that job you want or the promotion that you've been looking for. IT Pro TV's mission is education through engagement with up-to-date, high-quality video content and access to the most important tools you need for technology certification. IT Pro TV has over 1,000 hours of content and they have over 50 hours being added each and every week. All of these courses are streamed live and on demand worldwide to your Chromecast, Roku, PC, or iOS and Android device so you can learn basically wherever you want and on the go. Plus, IT Pro TV is now on the Amazon Fire TV and they have the new Apple TV app. So you can watch on your lovely TV. You can maybe watch in bed, no matter whether you're a Jason or a Mike. You can watch wherever you want with IT Pro TV. Course topics include Apple Certified Support Professional, Apple Certified Technical Coordinator, Amazon Web Services, Google Apps for Work, Administrator, and so many more. You can take a deep dive into ethical hacking, security, and cryptography with their engaging tutorials. All of their courses are transcribed as well, so you can watch from start to finish or jump to the part that you're looking for. They have over 100 step-by-step virtual machine labs, so you can dig in and really kind of get to grips with what you're looking for to learn. IT Pro TV has one low monthly subscription price. There's a no-hassle cancellation uh, policy as well. If you're looking to study with a book or enrolled in a certification or technical degree program, this is a fantastic supplement to learn at your own pace and track your progress, and it's so much cheaper than a bootcamp. They have corporate and group pricing available, and they have a ton of great clients like Harvard, MIT, UCSD, Stanford, and more. You can check out itpro.tv slash upgrade. That's itpro, itpro.tv slash upgrade to boost your brain with the most popular IT certifications. Premium subscriptions are normally $57 a month or $570 a year, but we have a special offer for you. You can try it out for free for seven days when you sign up using our code UPGRADE30, U-P-G-R-A-D-E-3-0. You can check out their courses, live stream, and more. You'll also get 30% off the lifetime of your account when you use that code. I say about the live stream, which is really cool. They do like what we do. They stream all of their content live. They have a chat yeah. room so people can check it out. And then they turn those courses, they edit them down and turn them into the videos. It really is kind of awesome. If you want to learn and you like listening to podcasts, this is a great fit. And with our code, the Upgrade30 code, that's less than $40 a month or $3.99 for the entire year. Don't forget to mark your calendar for their CCMP security courses, which will stream live for the first time beginning March 21st. Just visit itpro.tv slash upgrade and use the code UPGRADE30. Try it out for free for seven days, plus 30% of the lifetime of your account. Thank you so much to IT Pro TV for the support of this show. Adding to the catalog of uh, American versus British things that we sometimes detail on this show, it's Pi Day today. Do you know about Pi Day? 3.14. Right, except in Britain it would be 
14.3. Yeah. Which is not pi unless pi has changed, unless the rules of mathematics have changed in England, which I don't think they have. And Mrs. Soup in the chat room pointed out that actually if you round pi to four, uh, four decimal points, uh, that's 3.1416, which is, again, in American nomenclature, that's today. It's ultimate pi day. Yeah, I guess. Except only when you do the funny ordering that that we do here in America that Casey List doesn't like. I'm very used to it now, though. Yeah, I know. Well, we we've been saying it's a long running gag that you you know you're you're becoming increasingly American, and all your visits to America and all your conversations with Americans don't help this point. Although I was struck by how this is a little mini follow out, I suppose. I was struck by how I feel like um, I, I listen to some relay shows now. And am impressed that you've gotten some uh, more uh, European flavor on the network. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, Canvas, yep, is is very uh, very European. Um, and uh, remaster too. Ha- we have and uh, remaster shared. remaster because that's that's uh, you and Shahid are in uh, England in the UK, yeah. and then and then Federico in Italy. So. Um, I've I've listened to both of those and 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 been struck by by that, which is kind of fun. So it's not all just the Americans taking over, just mostly. Whilst we're doing this random follow up, there is a fun little thing you can do. It's a fun game you can play. Talking about my accent and the way it's changed. Uh huh. The oldest thing that you can maybe find is episode one of the Pen Addict, recorded in two thousand and twelve. Just if you want to hear it, I'll put it in the show notes. It's, yeah, because you took you took down all of the old episodes of like the original Command Space and stuff like that. Yeah, before well, it the, was Command Space, the but, show that came before it, like my yeah. original shows. Yeah, this is a lot of a lot of the old stuff. Uh, basically, if it didn't move to Five by Five when we moved over there, it kind of doesn't exist anymore. Right. Uh, but the Pan Addict is the one show that's followed me for years. It's wow, two thousand and twelve. We started. Yeah. So, so if you want to hear Mike from from early twenty twelve, yeah. With a terrible microphone, uh, you you should go listen to that because it it really is kind of surprising. Uh, I don't actually recognize my own voice from it. It's very very peculiar. But there you go. You can go listen to that if you like. Something I want to get your take on. This happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, kind of out of the blue. This is on the third of March. Uh, Apple created a new Twitter account at Apple Support. It is a public. Twitter support system. Uh, they re- they have like open hours from five to eight Pacific every day, um, and it's like any corporate support that you have come across before. Um, you know, they say you know send us DMs and stuff like that. They send out tips um, and and all that kind of great stuff. They have nearly two hundred thousand followers already. Why did they do this? This is very uh, different. Uh, it's the thing to do. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think this is the. I think this is a, an example of somebody at Apple saying, um, uh, "Why not try it?" Right? Like yeah. we don't. We don't normally do this. A lot of other companies do this. You see it from companies with large scale, with lots of customers, airlines, things like that. The cable company does it. So yeah. why can't? Why can't we do it? Why shouldn't we do it? Do we not have the resources to do this? Would it not be helpful? Um, to help our customers i can i can i you know i'm sort of doing it right here i could work myself up into the person who make i, I you know i can make that argument 
right? I could say, why wouldn't we do this? Why aren't we doing this? Why didn't, are we not opening up to the public more than we ever have before? Perhaps this would be a way for us to do that. And we could do it from a, you know, a, a brand account, just like the other uh, big companies do. It wouldn't be like a person or something. We would need to pay, you know, we would need a team, but perhaps this could save us in the long run in terms of reducing the time to get a genius bar appointment or anything like that, you know, maybe, maybe it would help retail out, uh, and, and phone support. If we could do this, uh, Twitter support stuff as part of our support portfolio. And, you know, I, I, this is the kind of thing that I, nobody would have suggested, I think, or at least nobody high up would have thought politically acceptable to suggest to Apple before but uh, apple has changed its its uh, communication strategy a lot since really since katie cotton left is is the biggest change i think so uh yeah so i i think that's i suspect that that's what happened is that somebody in the support area has been seeing what their peers in support have done at other companies for a long time and this is another tool for them uh from my experience of working in a big company um a, a, some of this pressure actually comes from Twitter as well. Like they they lobby big companies uh, to have these accounts. So you know, there's there's also that on the other side, right? They help them get them set up, and they really try and push the message for why this type of thing should exist, which is you know smart for them to do because it's it becomes another channel that people can talk to companies through. It, it's just an interesting move because it doesn't really seem. Um, like it's come from anywhere specific, right? Like it's just it's just appeared. And I know that we have, we've seen like some of the Apple gaming accounts and stuff like that, but previously support whilst good at Apple has been quite restricted to certain areas. You know, it's mainly flow through the Genius Bar, through the stores. And I wonder how many people they must have taking care of an operation like this. I was wondering that too, but I don't know. You know, somebody who might know... Um is our uh our uh, friend Scott McNulty um who worked at Comcast for a while in the in he wasn't at Comcast cares but he knew the people who were um and he he could probably he could probably tell us i i'd imagine that uh, it depends on the volume i mean if if you constrain the hours you you need yeah you need customer service reps on this although i don't know how many because I did have a thought actually when I when this account launched that I guess Twitter jail isn't a thing anymore because the number of the avalanche of replies that come from this account it was just it was just amazing how many replies were coming out of it so well yeah cuz they they use services right so there are there are customer support services that are set up sure. and I would assume that they have kind of unrestricted access Right. And so my guess is there's a help desk app of some sort that takes that consumes all of the um, all of the tweets. And then basically they're like tickets. Mm -hmm. And then and then people uh, grab a ticket and say, I'll answer this one. This one's mine. And then they answer it and then they mark it. And then if there's a reply to that one that they would get marked to that there was a reply and they would follow the chain so that they can split up the duty across multiple people. I, I do hope this is not one person sitting in Tweetbot <laughs> hitting reply and looking things up on a web browser because that would be a really tough job. No, that's exactly how it works. So, uh, Apple are using uh, a system called Sprinkler. You can see oh. that from what they're replying to. Uh, but I have used um, 
not have used, I have seen the use of tools like this. There's a, there's a tool called Radian 6, which is does this kind of thing. And it's exactly that. It turns incoming tweets into support tickets. Um, and then they're, yeah. they're dealt with that way. And also these services can kind of track keywords and stuff like that around the, the, the brand to give a kind of an, an idea, like a score of how these things are, are progressing and the kind of the way that people are interacting with you. It is valuable. Um, it's very valuable. I think it is a good thing that Apple are doing this, trying to make the customer service a little bit more accessible and open to people who maybe don't have Apple Care. I think is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. I think more the more things they do like this, I mean, you are going to end up in, you know, you are asking for people to yell at you when mm -hmm. they're mad because their thing doesn't work, just like the airlines are and just like Comcast, you know, and all the other cable companies are. You are you are going to get that, but you can also do things like, you know, I know it, we, we make fun of people a lot for, for things like uh, you you could Google it. Yeah. Like I get emails and I don't make fun of them, but I roll my eyes sometimes when people are like, hey, what's that article you did about this? I get emails like that and tweets like that. And it's like literally if you type the thing that they asked me about into Google or maybe add site colon six colors dot com into Google, it's the first result. It's right there. It didn't take. But you know what? Some people don't think like that. They don't understand how that works. They don't. They, they just that's not the way that they approach things so yeah if you can pop in there and be like oh it's here like we've uh, we've got the they know where all the tech uh, documentation resources are posted on apple site they can they do a quick search they find the 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 tech note about it they paste it back in say check this out this answers your question um that's nice right that's nice it's not they're not necessarily going to be able to do like massive troubleshooting but they can do within the constraints of Twitter, they can do that. And if somebody's having a real problem, this happens with all of these customer service Twitter accounts, they'll say, follow us and send a DM yep. and we will. And then basically they're putting it into email support. They're putting it into a, uh, it's a path into their main support structure, which is also, I mean, in the, in the end, yeah, it's more work and more effort, but um, they're a big company with a lot of customers to support. So another channel into their support system Another customer who's not just frustrated and doesn't know where to turn. That's uh, that's all to for for the good, I would say. Yeah, I just thought it was an an interesting thing because it's a market change, right? Like, you know, this is one of the things that I think since since Tim took over, we've been talking a lot about um, is just the things that are changing in Apple, the things that are new, which seem to come from his leadership and a man who talks about customer satisfaction so often. It is unsurprising <laughs> yeah, that they right. have increased their support right. capabilities. Well, as as brilliant as Steve Jobs was in a lot of ways, though, also I would say I feel like Steve Jobs had a worldview, and it benefited him, and it benefited Apple. But I don't. I'm not sure how much room there was for certain stuff in Steve Jobs's worldview. And I think his worldview. And who's to say if he had not lived, he would not have adapted to some of this stuff. But I think this is one of those areas where um, it 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 took a change in leadership for at the CEO level, at the head of corporate communications level, for somebody to say, let's re let's reevaluate where we are right now. And you know, I, I'm not to say that Steve Jobs would answer emails, right? But something like having a whole customer service thing on Twitter, it, you know, Apple Apple was locked down. The whole a lot of their strategy was let's just control everything. Let's, and and so to have anybody put their put themselves out there seemed like a, you know, it, not it's not impossible, but it would be a harder battle to fight because you'd have to convince some people who were entrenched 
um, whether it got to Steve or whether it got to Katie or whether I, I don't know who it would have had to get to in, in that era. But now I think everybody at Apple feels like uh, there's a bigger spirit of um, at IDG. We used to call it uh, let's try this which was one of the, the Pat McGovern corporate values. And I always liked that that was something that he uh, put in his company was, if you've got an idea about something that you think could be good for the company, let's give it a try. And Apple seems to be in a let's try this phase right now, where, they're, where for a while they were like, look, we've got, a, we've got a thing that's working for us. This is the system we set up. Essentially, when Steve came back to Apple, we set it up this way. This is working. We've got products to make. Let's go. And for the last couple of years, it seems like they've taken the time to say, let's revisit some of those things that we set up in 1997, uh, you know, through 2000 when we were getting started here. And the world has moved on a little bit. Maybe we can do things better. And I, I just I love that Apple is showing that. Uh, that flexibility. I'm not saying that uh, at Apple support is like the greatest thing in the world and it's going to solve a lot of problems, but I think it's a nice. Don't you don't you think it's it's like a nice symptom of of change at Apple, if nothing else. I do. I do. I think it's. I mean, I know it seems strange, but it is an in, an indication of the the openness that they are displaying because they are openly allowing people to send all of their problems out into the world and focus them towards an account. Like if you just go and look at the mentions, you see hate. Right and things that are wrong and things that are going wrong for people. Sure, you can go and see all of that, and and that doesn't really feel like a traditional Apple way of wanting to do things, right? Like to to point focus at the problems, but this is something that should exist because in the long run it will actually help people and reduce the burden of people trying to maybe call or get a Genius Bar appointment. This is this is all this should be part of the overall support structure which it is which is which is good i'm glad that it exists well that that's there i think there are a lot of benefits i mean you you can also see them going out there and trying to help people which i think is to their benefit um stonewalling and pretending that nobody has any problems and everything you do is fantastic is a locked down communication strategy that is definitely the old uh way of doing things at apple but it's not realistic right i mean people still talk about the frustrations that they've got uh and finding ways to channel it and acknowledge it and make it better, I, I do think that goes back to Tim Cook talking about customer sat all the time. I think the um, talking talking about the John Oliver uh, show on HBO, they did a, a long piece last night about encryption, and it's great, and I recommend that people watch it. I imagine that it's on YouTube now. Um, if not, it will be soon because they tend to post their their, their stuff there. But um, it was it was really good. But one of the points that they made toward the end that I thought was really effective is that Apple acts like all of its stuff is this magical thing and that they can do anything. And isn't, that's the mystique of Apple, which is great marketing, but it bites you when you talk about something like encryption because you see all these people saying, essentially, I, these, are, these are computer geniuses who can do anything. Surely they can create a whole new form of encryption that is secure for everybody else but allows a court order to open it up. And this is the the... the you know, it's sort of that uh, two-edged sword here where Apple has created a mystique about it that in some cases is dangerous because it leads to backlash. Whether that backlash is people in Congress thinking that Apple can make a magical encryption form that doesn't exist, or whether it's that uh, customers get angry because they were told that this would be magical, but they're having a problem with their hardware. Talking about the encryption debate. Um, so we have an event booked March 21st um, will be the uh, Apple event for uh, expect new products 
Um, yeah. But before we talk about the Grab new bag. products and what we think could or couldn't be there, do you think they're going to address this in any way? Um, uh, my my guess would be that the opening remarks from Tim, assuming there are some, would touch on it, but obliquely. That would be my guess. Yeah. That he'll say, you know, we remain committed to our customers' privacy and security around yep. the world. And then just kind of like, and people might applaud that, but that, that there won't be any more detail than that. My feeling is that is probably what's going to happen. Um, I'm taking an outside bet on uh, mention to making iOS even more secure for iOS 10 uh, at this event. Uh, could could be. Uh, my guess is that, I mean, I, I think it wouldn't be that specific. I think yeah. it would be more like we're, st- and we're working on ways to make it even more secure in the future. But yeah. that, like that, literally that would be it. Mm-hmm. That that That's as much as I think it could go. Um, if they're going to talk about anything, they may, you know, he may just say something along those lines. But I agree. Other than that, it's kind of just like you know, uh, we have great stuff to do to talk about today. But I just want to mention how we're committed to our customers. Blah 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 blah. Let's talk about what we're expecting to see. So, just run for a little checklist of the things that have been mentioned here. So, smaller iPhone, potentially named the iPhone SE. Right. Yep. That's in that's in the in the German report. So yep. yeah. So we're expecting that's going to be it. Uh, the Apple invitation, whilst you know that's always fun to look at, shows the four colors. So you know, whatever devices that are going to be unveiled will probably have the four colors: the gray, the silver, yeah. the gold, and the rose. Uh huh. Um, in the in this household right here, we are hoping that there is a smaller iPhone released, and it is a good product. Uh, because that's something we're looking forward to getting for Adina here. Because Adina would prefer the smaller iPhone. She most definitely would, yeah. yeah. And her phone currently is just base. It may as well be falling to pieces. Um, huh. Do we think we're going to see 10-inch iPad Pro? Probably yes, right? It feels like it's iPad time. All the rumors say say so. Say that that the what we've been talking about is the the iPad Air three. That now may be called an iPad, a smaller iPad Pro, and this is with pencil support and uh, and the smart connector uh, will happen. The naming, it'll be interesting to see the naming because naming is a little more flexible in some ways uh, than the hardware. It's so definitely more flexible. I don't know if you could change it at the last minute, but it's more flexible than hardware. Um, and uh, how they, yeah, how they explain iPhone SE, how they explain iPhone or iPad Pro. Always good to to see the way Apple refers to these products and explains how they fit if they do. So, but I imagine we'll see that new Apple Watch bands. Don't don't they always have new Apple Watch bands? It feels like it now. I mean, they're a yeah. seasonal thing, which makes perfect sense. It feels like this is going to be a thing, and and you know, the, again, referring to the original Gurman reports, uh, we're looking at potentially a NATO style band. NATO bands are like these um, material woven bands. Yeah. Uh, and I really hope we do see some of those because I love that band. I, I had a, a Seiko watch, which had one of those previously um, and was very happy with that. So I would like to see that. And also just some change in the Apple watch band designs, you know, new designs is great rather than just new colors um, to keep that product fresh. I don't think we're going to get anything more Apple watch related outside of that i agree and that the question there is do they do like a little update and say hey apple watch it's great here's uh we we're we're doing some new colors today moving on 
or or yeah. or you know if if that or they just make new colors available i think that's what we're going to see if anything i i, I think it's going to be very uh i think it'll be very quiet about the apple watch here other than just new colors because i just think they don't maybe won't want to put too much focus on it yet because they don't yep. have new hardware and uh, right. you know as we discussed in the past the current hardware is getting a little long in the tooth now um because what is it what so two years it's old? been a year okay well it's been a year since it shipped yeah, but I'm thinking like since we originally saw it, right? Like, is that that a year and a half. whole story, right? Like, you're thinking when you first saw the product, and then it was anyway. I was a MacWorld employee when we first saw the Apple Watch. There so. you go. There you go. So there's your, your gauge of time. Uh, year and a half. What about new Macs? What do you think here? We're we gonna see anything Macintosh related? Uh, I uh, there definitely seem to be new Macs coming. Um, definitely heard rumbles about. Uh-huh. Possibly a new MacBook. Definitely heard the rumbles about uh, new MacBook Pro models. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an open question. I think tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but a week from today would be a perfect time to do it. I think it comes down to sort of like what's the runtime of the event and what do they want to focus on? Because um, you could release Macs without an event. You you really could, and they often do. But they might use the event just to give it a little extra push and release them. So I, I don't know. I'm on the fence about that, about whether they're going to do that or not. Yeah. Do they want to mix the Mac into their message about these other products? At the same time, this does seem like an odds and ends kind of event. Yes. With the small iPhone variation and the, you know, a new uh, smaller iPad Pro and that does the things that the other iPad Pro does. And sure, so throw in some new Macs too. So that that if I had to bet, I'd probably bet that they will because it's just an, it adds a little more weight, a little more heft yep. to the event, right? Not that it matters what I think, uh, but if you know to Apple, but if they were going to follow my advice, it would be to do it all at once. Because there's not going to be one singular product here, I believe. If all we're getting, if what we're getting, sorry, is what has been rumored, there's not one singular product here that is a real headline on its own. Uh, these are all small products uh, that yep. aren't in the top tier of Apple's products. Uh, especially uh-huh. where you know the iPad, we've seen all of the features potentially, you know, already in the iPad Pro. So my feeling would be you bombard to get lots of headlines, so you just have lots of little stories as opposed make it to up on the volume. iPhone big story. Yeah, you make it up in volume. That's right. There's a lot here. We, you know, it, it's not a lot. It's new, but there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. That that would be my feeling. Is you just yeah. you go for everything. Um, in the hopes that something will grab someone, you know. I think I think that's the most likely. It is kind of funny if if it really is. I mean, you could argue that the the new iPad is the biggest story because that 10 inch size is probably the sweet spot for the iPad uh, in terms of sales. Certainly, I would think. So, but but yeah, it's it's a grab bag, grab bag uh, event. Yeah. So we will be recording after the event, as we usually do. So we will yeah, have an yeah. episode so, on Monday. Sometime on Monday the yeah. 21st, we will do, after the event, we will do a recording and catch up. And that'll be our first. It's kind of a nice rhythm. That that upgrade becomes like the first take right afterward, you know, breaking it down and talking about it. And then you will go off and do some analysis with Connected later in the week. Yep. Um, and then we will come back with sort of our week-long reflection the on the on the actually are you even on the the one the week after or no. is that one of the the no 
So I will come back a week later with reflections with a special guest to be uh, to be invited because <laughs> I haven't invited anybody because you're out <laughs> you're out that week. So, but anyway, it's I, I like that kind of pattern that we're yeah. going to get the quick hit right after the event. So we will do that. We don't know when, but uh, sometime on Monday. Yes, I've blocked out my entire day. Um, yeah, for the yeah. event. So yeah, so it might be late for you, but stay stay up late. Yeah. So if you want to listen live, we'll be uh, tweeting about it. Currently, the schedule is just blocked off <laughs> yeah. for the whole day. So that's that. I mean, you know, the, as is usual, it's not not too much here, but we like to kind of just do a little roundup of what we think is going to happen, so we can reflect back on it. I, I really do think we're going to get an odds and ends event with a FBI statement, basically at the beginning, um, and a kind of look forward at the end towards WWDC. We're we're getting quite close now. It feels to me to to WWDC. Um, so I think that we're going to see some of the groundwork being laid here. We've obviously got 9.3 on the horizon, so we can expect a demo of 9.3, um, potentially with a feature or two that we don't know about yet to support something we don't yet know about, right? So, you know, the 10-inch <laughs> iPad Pro might have a little thing, you know, maybe whatever it was they were doing with the Apple Pencil. Um, we might see some some kind of signs of that kind of thing, but we'll at least get a, another demo of 9.3. Um, maybe something Mac related. There's, you know, there's the rumblings of iTunes being worked on or Apple Music being split out, which was kind of spoken about in that episode of the talk show, but we haven't seen anything about that yet. So. Right. I don't know. I mean, there's two ways to view this event too. One is um, that it's uh, it's the uh, beginning of 2016. Yep. Yep. Definitely. And the other way to view it is it's the end of the model year, the 2015 model year. <laughs> um, and that, because right, because it's all this kind of incremental improvement. I mean, if they're new Macs, then it's sort of the beginning of the Mac year. But for this iOS stuff, it seems much more like it's the kind of extras from last year's technology. And then at WWDC is where we kind of kick off the next product cycle for Apple. So you could you could view this event as either kind of a beginning or as an an ending. It certainly feels like a transition point because mm-hmm. it's bringing everything up to speed and maybe pushing a few things on, which is cool. All right, this week's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Backblaze. Backblaze is personal and business backup for your Mac and PCs. With with Backblaze, you will have access to unlimited online backup for all of your files, your documents, your music, photos, videos, all of your user data, everything. You can go up to the cloud and be safe and secure with Backblaze, and you can get yourself a no-risk two-week trial at backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast. Backblaze has an incredible amount of storage. They store and back up over 150 petabytes of data for their customers and have done 10 billion file restores. It is incredible. Like I can't even comprehend that amount of stuff. And I bet as well, if you looked, if they ever let anybody into their uh, data center, I bet it doesn't look as big as you think it is. Right, you imagine all the racks of hard drives and stuff. I bet it's kind of crazy to think, oh, <laughs> over ten billion files have been restored from here. It's huge, huge numbers, and they do this stuff better than anyone. I use Backblaze. I'm very happy as a Backblaze customer. And one of my favorite things is the fact that you can do those single file restores, and you don't have to have lost anything. So I've done this a few times, like using their iOS app. They have an app uh, for iOS and Android. So you can access all your files on the go. So you can basically take a look at everything that's on your Mac, 
you know, because it's all backed up to Backblaze. And then you're able to grab those files and send them out to other apps on iOS. Like I've grabbed a contract once that I needed. I didn't have it in Dropbox for whatever reason. I don't think Dropbox is synced, but Backblaze had. So I grabbed it from there and it was I was ready to go. You know, maybe you have documents that sit on your desktop that you've forgotten you didn't put into Dropbox. So you can grab all of those with the iOS and Android apps and send them wherever you need them to be. You can also restore... If you have some kind of catastrophic failure, you can even order a USB hard drive from Backblaze and they'll just ship it to you that has all of your stuff on if you don't want to wait to download everything. Backblaze is a native app for Mac and PC and they even have the backup of external drives included with their app as well. Maybe you use Time Machine or external drive to do your backups, but you should also be having Backblaze look after your off-site backup as well. There's no throttling. and upload threading means that you'll be able to backup quickly no add-ons gimmicks or additional charges it's just five dollars a month per computer for unlimited unthrottled online backup upgrade listeners get a two-week free trial by going to backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast so you can go and check it out for yourself maybe you've heard this already if you've already signed up for backblaze you're a happy backblaze customer well they have something else that i want to tell you about it's something new for it professionals called backblaze b2 cloud storage if you're building an app and need cloud storage or want to be able to command your own backups with clis and apis this is the solution for you. Backblaze B2 Cloud Storage is one-fourth the cost of Amazon S3 at just $0.005 per gigabyte. The open beta is available now. Just go to backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast and check out the B2 Cloud Storage link. Thank you so much to Backblaze for sponsoring this week's episode. Woo! So uh, there was a story that came from the uh, Oculus Rift founder whose name is escaping me. I think he was the guy who was on the time cover, right? Floating in the air with the beach behind him. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Palmer Lucky. Palmer Lucky, that's it. Um, what, what an interesting name that is. I'd like to find huh? out the etymology of that name. But anyway, uh, basically, he has been quoted to say uh, that effectively, Oculus will not support the Mac with their VR headset until Apple makes a good computer. <laughs> For gaming now this is um something that the kind of the underpinnings of the story i've been following for a little while um when the uh kickstarter campaign came out and all of the dev kits for a while there was mac support uh, built into the software and then at a certain point during the development of the oculus they stopped supporting the mac and at that time they weren't very clear as to whether they were going to come back or not it seemed like they'd run into some hurdles and then eventually support for uh, oculus on the mac stopped and they yeah, stopped developing deceased. anything. And effectively, you know, they've kind of said here and there the reasons for this, but it's, they, you know, Palmer Lucky has made it quite clear now that basically Macs are not powerful enough as gaming machines to run the Oculus Rift. And it does take a lot. You know, there are a lot of PCs that won't run the Oculus Rift either. Um, so now that basically it looks like if you are a Mac owner or mac user you will not be able to use this and even do, use doing something like boot camp probably won't help you because it's not a software issue they're running into um the, basically the argument here is that the uh the graphics cards and, and all that kind of stuff will not meet their recommended spec i mean this is a quote um it's on the nine to five mac from palmer lucky uh, he says you can buy a six thousand dollar mac pro with the top of the line amd fire pro d700 and it still doesn't meet our recommended specifications 
they prioritize higher end GPUs like they used for a while back in the day, I think we'd love to support the Mac. This is interesting to me, Jason. So a lot of this has to do with the fact that Apple's, um, well, there's two things going on here. One is Apple seems to be content using uh, a lot of uh, GPUs that are not considered acceptable for PC gaming. And uh, why, why do they do that? I think the answer is because they don't care. They don't care about games. They don't. They don't care. Even when you look at the Mac Pro, their calculations about like GPUs have to do with like using GPUs for uh, scientific applications and things like that, not for games. They just and and it's we no longer live in a, a time when we have a a modular Mac that you can plug a uh, you know a Mac version usually of a yeah. PC game uh, card into. Which I mean, I did that on my power mac g4 i put a new graphics card in it at one point but we don't those days are over there there are no um essentially there are no modular macs anymore so um you know when when uh, palmer lucky says they, they won't support mac until apple makes a good computer i mean the guy's being a jerk because apple makes lots of good computers apple just doesn't doesn't bend over backward to engineer pc game rigs because they don't care and so I guess what I would say, if, if I were Apple, what I'd say to Palmer Lucky is probably something like, um, we don't care about what you're doing. <laughs> you, what you do, do and you though, think is important, we right? don't care about. They do care about VR. Tim Cook has basically said as much. They is uh, do they care about VR uh, games plugged into a headset that's attached to a Mac? I don't, I don't think know. they do. So I don't think they do. This is my thing, right? I think that Apple are working on VR because if they're not, they're stupid um vr is the next thing it would appear right it is the next thing we can see for technology um it might not be the next iphone it probably won't be but if we look at where technology is in 2016 virtual reality is the next revolution right would you agree with that it's like the thing on the horizon uh i would say it it is going to be popular with um with gamers sure and that's the part that I'm certain of. And the rest of it, I'm a little, I'm still a little skeptical of, of how long it's going to be. I can't see applications outside of gaming right now either. But yeah. well, Apple's not exactly a giant in in gaming, especially like the more advanced uh, gamers who are going to be buying first and second generation VR equipment, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, my my concern though is that Apple are definitely making something. And my feeling is that it's going to be for iOS. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I think that they're going to miss out on on the OS ten, and that's simply because they're just not concerned enough about games as a a thing that they would bother to put it on a, on OS ten as well. Because they will put it on iOS because you can't escape it. The games are part of ios it's one of the biggest Absolutely. game platforms in the world so you can't ignore it but in that you're going to miss out on some of the really powerful experiences that the additional graphics capabilities can deliver um i mean this week as we record uh sony has their psvr event where we're expecting to get more details on a release date for the playstation headset which i would take a bet is going to be the winner of the current generation of vr it's cheaper more people have a PlayStation than they have a PC that can uh-huh. run this stuff. 
So I think that is going to be a real key here, but I think that it would be really nice to see Apple take advantage of the power that OS X and these machines can deliver to put something here which would be really compelling, but I just don't think we're going to see it. I also don't think we're going to see anything VR from Apple in 2016, um, which is interesting because this is the year of VR, and I wonder if we're going to... You know, we've got one of two situations here. Either they're going to be late and it won't be good enough, or they're going to be late and it will be better than everybody else. And that can be one of two things of Apple. It can go either way. I'll be interested to see where it goes because gaming is the main application, but gaming is not really something that they that the company as a whole seems to put a lot of effort into. Right. So I'm very interested to see what Apple envisions VR to be for them. Yeah. Also, this is not, you know, it's not the year of VR. It's the year where for the first commercial VR products will ship. That's not the same. That's not the same. And Apple is not Apple is not going to participate in a first generation uh device uh that's going to largely appeal to gamers. It's not going to right, it's not going to happen. So I don't think they're they're behind at all in not having a product this year. I think it's a question of what they're targeting with this because if games really is the best application for VR and I think it is, then uh, it might be something that they need to worry about soon if there's any uptake on the you know Samsung and HTC sort of uh, mobile VR stuff. But on the Mac, it doesn't seem to be. You know, I I just I don't think people are going to be rushing out to buy PC gaming PCs with high end specs and Oculus Rifts to play games other than that hardcore gaming market that wouldn't really look twice at a Mac anyway. So it'll be interesting to see what they what they do with it. But you know, Apple's Mac priorities are different, and I just mm-hmm. they have never been as somebody who you know. At Macworld, we had to do this for years where we had, you know, we covered Mac games and we had Mac gaming column and Peter Cohen wrote it for a while and, and uh, Roman Loyola wrote it for a while and Chris Breen wrote it for a while. And, we, you know, we, uh, we had lots of people writing about Mac games, trying very hard to write about Mac games. Um, and S- Stephen Levy wrote it for a while, actually, back in the day. Um, <laughs> and but Mac games are, you know, it's never really been a thing because yeah. it's never been a priority. It's more like Apple makes hardware for other reasons. And then people are like, yeah, I might be able to put a game on there, though. But it's never been, you know, really that Apple has cared about gaming. Yeah, That's never really been the case on, on the Mac. And they, they care about it more on iOS because they see that it's popular and still it's, questionable and, though they're, uh, well yeah. well you know when they talk about metal and stuff like that i mean they're they're making some decisions mm-hmm. on ios that are meant to be for mm-hmm. gaming mm-hmm. also it shows off their chip making prowess and i think that's part of it too is uh if you're going to try to differentiate yourself by having really impressive hardware specs for your mobile devices one way to do that is by showing how great it runs games so I, I think they go together, and I think that sets them up to do VR in an interesting way using the stuff that we know of as the... Because, you know, you also don't want a giant... You don't want to have he- a headset connected to a giant box with fans blowing, right? Yeah. Ideally, this should be a lightweight thing that you put on your head 
that does this. And so mobile is going to be mobile tech is going to be the place where you're going to really differentiate, I think. And Apple has that tech. So I think they'll get there, but you know, uh, not on the Mac. Anybody, I, I find it miraculous that Oculus even considered building stuff that worked with Macs <laughs> at any point. Well, you got to try. I uh, played with um, Gear VR for the first time last week. The uh, Samsung yeah. one. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It really is. I, I it's it's so much more simple, right? And, you know, and I've I've played with um the Google Cardboard and even that blows me away, but this one is is really really great. Um you know, it has like a touchpad on the side, kind of like so you can move around and and access different things. Uh but I w- was playing this one kind of demo-y game thing and I was walking uh, basically I started and I was in a museum, like a gallery. And I looked at a Van Gogh painting and then all of a sudden I'm inside and walking around inside of the painting and you know I'm really taken aback by VR um, the, the couple of experiences that I've had with it uh, I thought were kind of incredible and, and I really love it as a as a platform um, because the kind of experiences that you get are very unlike anything else that, that I've experienced before because it there is an element of like, okay, this kind of feels like it's really happening to me now. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens. And, and I really hope that Apple develops something like the Gear VR that, that integrates with the iPhone because that is a fantastic pairing. And the, that Gear VR headset is simple, really. You know, it has a speaker in it, I think. It has a little touchpad on the side. You just plug your phone into it and you're good to go. Uh-huh. Um, and that was developed in partnership with Oculus. Um, and I, you know, I really, I really wish that Apple was the company that partnered with Oculus to make that. To be honest, because I think it's really cool, <laughs> really cool. But it seems, um, it doesn't seem like them, does it? No, I, you know, but I still want it, and I think we're going to get it. I think next year there will be an iPhone headset. I, I, I've heard good things about the HTC Vive too, actually. Apparently, I didn't know this, so we were talking about this on, on the last episode of Remaster. Um, from a journalist and developer perspective, the Vive is meant to be, a, is said to be a better, more engaging experience than the Oculus. But HTC and Steam's problem is that Oculus is kind of the name, it's the brand. Right. Um, but I, I really do think that that PlayStation is the dark horse here because they have the systems in in (laughs) millions and millions of people's homes already. So I'm excited to see what they do. That's exactly it. You say Oculus is the brand, but if you ask regular people, nobody knows Oculus. Well, of course. Yeah. They built up some mindshare in the people who are watching this space among tech Uh people. But yeah, Sony could... If Sony rolls in or, 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 uh, you know, or Xbox... Microsoft and Xbox or Nintendo. I mean, if, if a gaming platform like Sony being perhaps the best position here rolls in and says, VR games, here we are, PlayStation, boom, right? Right? That's, that carries so much more weight mm-hmm. than Oculus. Mm-hmm. Even if Oculus has been a pioneer of this all along. And uh, Steam, again, carries weight with a certain um, a certain audience and that makes the Vive intriguing and i've heard good things about the hardware but it's all early days i mean that's the thing is this this stuff is gonna this stuff is exciting because it's gonna finally ship in 2016 but it's all gonna be first generation 
uh, early adopter, let's figure out what works and what doesn't kind of stuff. And it's exciting to be on that. But yeah. If you are interested at all by this discussion, um, I urge you to subscribe to Remaster. Um, this week's episode, this is actually what we're going to be focusing on, PlayStation's announcement. Um, our co-host, Shahid, has actually <laughs> decided he's going to go to San Francisco for the event um, and to be around and to see what's going on. And we're planning something pretty special, actually. So go and subscribe to Remaster. Uh, relay.fm slash remaster uh, and the episode that will drop in episode 6 later this week I think is going to be something pretty cool um, so you should go and check that out whilst we're talking about games before we do our ask upgrades um, Firewatch now uh, I have played Firewatch you have played Firewatch we both discussed it in various places uh, remaster number 5 includes the discussion of the three of us talking about Firewatch no spoilers here by the way yeah, um, and you've spoken about it on the incomparable. I played it on on PlayStation, um, which means I missed out on a couple of interesting features. Yes, I uh, played it on a fantastic p- piece of gaming hardware, the uh, 5K iMac. <laughs> the funny <laughs> thing games. is, anybody that I know that's played this game that wasn't on the 5K iMac, it's apparently been a bit of a dumpster fire. Like, it's yeah. the, I know people that have been playing them on MacBook Pros, and their fans are screaming. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I, so yeah. I'm, you know, I'm unsurprised. I the only time I have ever heard the fans on my iMac is when I was playing a Steam game. Um, it's the only yeah. time I've ever heard it because yeah, it's <laughs> it's demanding. Uh-huh. I really loved Firewatch. Um, I think that it is a great story and a great experience. Uh that I think people should go for. It's kind of in the Monument Valley camp of games where you understand you're paying for an experience that will take you about four to five hours to complete. Uh, I think that that is a great type of video game. So like the game that I was talking about that I got today, there's like hundreds of hours in there, which I'll probably never finish, but I want to experience it because it's meant to be quite good. The games like Firewatch that I really enjoy is I know I've got a contained thing that I can go out and do and it will be done. Um, but what I didn't expect from Firewatch was how much it was going to make me question my own morality. So that is, you know, that's one of the great things about this game. And I think that it is a little marvel that people should go and check out. And when they're done, they can listen to Remaster and The Incomparable to see what we think about this. Right. Uh, there is actually a question I want to ask you about this game. I will do it at the very end of the show. Okay. So people don't uh, get spoiled. It's a, it, it's a good game. I I uh, I'll say again what I said on the incomparable that I wish there were more games like this because I'm never going to be one of those people who invests not just like a hundred hours, but I'm never going to be one of those people who invests twenty hours in a game. I'm just, it's never going to happen. I don't have that. I, my 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 priorities in my life, even if I like playing games, I don't like playing games to the point of spending that amount of time on any game it's just never going to happen so i buy games that are fun to play and i play them for five hours and then i you know stop my son will play games forever but i i just i don't have that kind of time in my life i do a lot of stuff i do a lot of work i do i do writing i do podcasts i read books i watch movies and tv shows i do lots of stuff in my entertainment life uh, so having a game that lasts three or four hours and gives you an experience that uh, is like a movie a little bit, but also is that fundamentally kind of immersive video game experience because you're making decisions. 
I love those kinds of games, and I wish there were more of them. And Fire, it was nice to have Firewatch because it's one of those. It's what, um, it's what John Syracuse calls the the like artsy fartsy video games, where it's not you know a yeah. big game platform you know sixty dollar game. It's not the kind of game that you order on Amazon, uh, Amazon uh, Now, Prime Now, right? Yep. It's uh, but uh, but it's great, great story. Like uh, like. Paying fifteen dollars and having three or four hours of entertainment—great deal for me. So I'm I'm glad that it exists. It doesn't surprise me that Panic helped make this happen because this game is kind of perfectly targeted at the Panic software audience. Right? <laughs> like those two things go together really, really nicely. Um, because you know it's lots of people that like they really like the value of certain things, but maybe don't have the time. Um, and like something that's really nicely designed and created with a nice thought and story behind it. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't surprise me that this game has been quite popular with Apple bloggers. You know, it fits. It fits real yeah. nice. <laughs> sure, it fits real nice. I love it though. You should go play it. All right, let's do some Ask Upgrade. Um, Jason, who is sponsoring Ask Upgrade this week? Uh, Ask Upgrade this week brought to you by our good friends at MailRoute. You know, uh, in 2016, IT departments are, as always, expected to do more with less, uh, including really important stuff like stopping spam and virus attacks. But MailRoute can help. Now, there are a lot of end-of-life announcements out there for trusted hardware and software providers. Postini went away, MX Logic. Uh, so who do you trust to do the job well and stick around? MailRoute is the answer. MailRoute's team has focused exclusively on email since 1997. That's all they do they're email experts it's not part of some larger suite of things their product is about email protection their interface is easy to use it's loaded with administrative tools including an api and the design is all there just for one purpose to make your life spam free it protects your email and your hardware against spam viruses and other attacks you don't have to install any hardware or software it's a cloud service if you own your domain that's all you need you point your mx records at MailRoute. MailRoute servers take in all the stuff that comes across the transom from the big bad internet filters out the terrible stuff and passes the good stuff on to your server so your server load goes down and everybody who's got an account on that server is not getting uh, spam and junk and bounces and viruses in their inbox Right now, MailRoute's offering price matching for McAfee and MX Logic customers. They support LDAP and Active Directory, TLS, mailbagging, mailbagging, outbound relay.fm. Everything you'd want from the people handling your mail. So sp- stop your spam from coming in today. Use MailRoute. You can get a free 30 day trial by going to mailroute.net slash upgrade. And listeners of the show will get 10% off, not for one week not for one month not for one year for the lifetime of their account or if you would prefer email you can email sales at mailroute.net and they will help you out too just tell them upgrade sent you mailroute protects email from spam and viruses that's it that's all they do and they do it better and they've been doing it longer than anyone else mailroute.net slash upgrade thank you to mailroute for supporting this show and ask upgrade Thank you to Mrs. Soup in the chat room for her suggestion from what I should do for mailbagging this week. <laughs> she started and I was like, hmm, I start looking around the room. What do I do? There's a bell over there. I did the bell recently, but I went with lasers. Our first question this week comes from Rob. Uh, Rob would like to know, when we're not actually writing, how much do you use your iPad Pro in the smart keyboard case? 
Uh, my iPad Pro is always in the smart keyboard case. I use it as a stand when I'm watching TV in bed. Um, and I <laughs> I use it always. These two things go together. I've always felt the iPads go together with the smart cover in some way. And the smart cover that I use also has a keyboard attached to it. And Jason, you'll be happy to know that as of a couple of days ago, I have started putting stickers on the smart cover. Great. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? How often do you it, it keep it? It bends and stuff. Those stickers aren't going to last on there. It's I am be not ugly. putting them on the uh, the parts where it bends, just on the panels. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. I know. I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to work, but I'm doing it anyway. All right. Uh, I don't like the keyboard case. Okay. And so I use the smart cover and I have an external keyboard. And if I want to write, I uh, will you know, put it in a stand and use the external keyboard. Otherwise, I uh, don't use the keyboard case at what all. What don't you like? It's bulky. I think it makes a lousy cover because mm-hmm. it's heavy and right. thick. And so when I have it on there, every time I use my iPad, I pull the keyboard cover off. And normally when I use the smart cover, I leave it on because although it adds a little bit of bulk, it's fine. It's a little bit, it gives it some grippability if you're in portrait orientation. Um but uh, I don't, so I don't like those things about it. And at that point, if I'm going to use an external keyboard, the external keyboard is going to have more key travel and another row of keys at the top. So you can do things like adjust the brightness and the volume and play and pause your uh-huh. music when you're uh-huh. using the iPad. And the keyboard case doesn't do that, which sure. is frustrating. It, it so is frustrating. I don't, I don't see the value in, in having it for what the way I use my iPad Pro, where I can just bring a keyboard with me and use that if I want to. Okay. And, and when I don't, I don't. Um, I agree with you about the bulkiness. I got used to that pretty quick. Um, you know, I decided I was just going to leave it on and see if I would deal with it. And and I don't. It doesn't feel bulky to me anymore. Um, and the value of having the keyboard there always is great to me. Um, you know, bearing in mind how much I use this device, I I like to use the keyboard. Um, it's you know, it's it's like you know, the, the the hybrid between a laptop and an iPad for me. In that, All right. in that regard. Rob uh, had a second question. Do you know of a keyboard shortcut on the iPad Pro keyboard to bring up the iOS search screen? Yes, it's command space. So you just hit the command key in the space bar and it'll take you to the spotlight screen no matter where you are. And I just wanted to mention this because 9.3, which will be out probably in a week or two, uh, brings the ability to use the arrow keys and the enter key to navigate that list, which is a fantastic addition um, that I love and use daily. Fioran asked, do you think it's a good idea to use one's iCloud password for your Mac login password? Is one or the other more secure? This is a difficult question. Yeah, I I was a little bit... I don't do this. I don't because, do it either. Uh, and, and honestly, my reason is I have a complicated password for, for iCloud. Me too. Because it's on the internet and you want to have a complicated password so that it doesn't get broken. Mm-hmm. I don't want to type that every time I need to validate anything on my Mac, install something, or you know, anytime it wants my password. I don't want to type the iCloud password. It's complicated. I yeah. want something simpler. If I was in an environment where I was worried about people breaking into my Mac, maybe I would have a different opinion about it, but I don't. Yeah. So My Mac um, sits at home. Um I have a simple password for my Mac, um, and I have a very complicated password for my iTunes password and all of my other stuff. Um, you know, if you got onto my Mac, the majority of damage that you could do, you would need another password for it. So I'm kind of, I feel kind of okay with that. 
Um, I don't I don't feel that having those two passwords be the same is a good idea. Um, if what you're looking for is security, have two strong passwords. But I don't I just feel that that is not good. I feel like your iCloud password should only be used in one place. iCloud. That's it. That's a really important password. I think mixing those up, putting them in other places, using them for other things is probably a bad idea. Yeah, I don't know if it's a if it's a big deal either way, but I I I don't do that. I'm 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 sure there's some reason why it makes sense that sort of sort of you can log in anywhere. Um, but for me, no. I totally agree with uh, W Brendo in the chat room as well. I cannot wait for something a Mac peripheral that has Touch ID. Touch ID wouldn't that be nice? It. That would be lovely. My main thing is just typing in my one password password i wish they yeah. didn't have to do that because i'm used to not doing it anywhere else where i use my touch id on all my other devices right seth would like to know uh, when editing photos do you mostly use photos.mac you know the, the mac the mac app yeah. or photos ipad um i am way behind on family photos and one advice so what do you do when you're editing where, where do you like to edit your photos jason on the mac on okay. the on the i've got the giant you know 5k iMac uh -huh. it is great for photos and you're and using the just the photos app do you use any kind of plugins not really i mean i i use tonality uh, occasionally um which is a, a plugin that does uh nice uh, basically black and white toned photos but um mostly i'm just using the standard stuff i mean the standard editing suite in in photos has levels and it's got a lot of different adjustment levels uh, adjustment layers you can do most of what i would do to adjust a photo i can do inside of photos so i i generally do it there um if i'm on my ipad i will often end up in photos uh editing like screenshots to crop them out and things like that but um but i don't usually do any like photo processing on the ipad i use the mac because it's fast and yeah. has a huge screen I don't really do any photo processing at all. Um, I don't really take photos in that way yet. I, th I think for a lot of people, that type of processing occurs when they have a family. I think that, at least with all of my friends, it seems that they get a lot more serious. Unless they're already photos people, they get a lot more serious about photography when they have children. Right. Um, which I think makes perfect sense. So right now, you know, my photos are all taken on my iPhone and then I put them on Instagram. <laughs> you know, uh, if I do any kind of editing, I just use Apple's built-in tools to like rotate, crop, change brightness and stuff in the Photos app. They, they do like 95% of everything that I want to do with a photo. They're very simple, good tools and, and they work fine for me. But I can see that if I was doing a lot of it, then I might look at a different solution. Maybe that would be something like Pixelmator um because you know that is kind of crazy powerful that app every time i use it i'm like oh my god on ios mm -hmm. it's i don't understand how it is yeah. as good as it is it is a superb application um I, even i was using it the, uh, today it even has split screen it's like i just didn't expect that was going to be the case <laughs> i say oh pixelmator you are wonderful so mm -hmm. that is a great suggestion there for you if you want to do something a little bit more you can go and try out pixelmator you have to help me on this one, Jason. Gary asked, is Apple Talk something you need to still include on your resume? Will prospective employers be impressed or just laugh? I would say take it off. I don't even know. My, let's see if I know this. I probably don't. Apple Talk was like some sort of proprietary communication method between machines. It's a networking protocol. There we go. That, that's the term I was looking for. But that, that was what I thought it was. 
I've seen it in like the network preferences. Uh, I've never used it. Have you ever used it? What would you use it for? Well, you you use it if you live in the 1990s <laughs> for networking and printing, but uh, not so much anymore. It's uh, it's faded away now that yeah. we have uh, uh, bonjour, we have, uh, bonjour, yeah. and uh, and just e- Ethernet in general, uh-huh. and Wi-Fi. everybody's on an internet right. network. You don't you don't need it anymore. I guess like proprietary Wi-Fi networks and stuff. Like, my, if I'm right, like you can connect to printers via Wi-Fi now, right? Well, they just yeah, yeah. Well, it's Apple Talk was not. It, it's not right to think of it as. Uh, it, 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 these were the protocols, so they would go over other. So you could do Apple Talk over Ethernet, and uh, Apple Talk. So it, and it let you find other devices. So that's why Bonjour sort of replaced that. So you get a bonjour, and you get um, you get everybody on an IP network, and you don't need you don't need it. It was it was there from the very beginning. Anyway, it, it was it was a great thing to have. Apple was at the forefront of having networking baked into every computer. Um, I set up many local talk networks, which actually use telephone cables as uh, as the networking cable instead of we have Ethernet now, which is like way more um, wires in it than. Uh, you know, the little flimsy cable that you'd have a landline connected with. But uh, back in the day, we actually networked with those little flimsy telephone landline connectors. Yep. Uh, and and used Apple Talk to transfer files and all of those things. But those days are those are days are long past. So yeah, I would take it off the resume for sure. All right, spoil hole in time. <laughs> Firewatch stuff. So, yeah. so something I was very interested that you guys didn't really address this on The Incomparable. Um, I was hoping that you would. We we spoke about this on Remaster, and it was quite interesting. It's finding out how people... The, the path that they took towards the end of the game and what they did with Delilah. So what was really interesting for me was me and Federico, we both progressed our romantic relationship with Delilah. And then at the end of the game... We both asked her to uh, move to Boulder with us. What did you do? How would you define progressed your romantic relationship with Delilah? There is a... Okay, so I don't know if everybody's seen this part, but there is one moment where the conversation gets quite sexual and you can kind of invite that conversation to occur. Yeah, I didn't do that. Okay. Did you even come across that? No, I have no recollection of that at all. So you know when what... uh, you're looking at the fire, you're standing in your tower and there's that big fire? Yeah. There's a conversation that occurs which begins of like, I wouldn't, you know, it kind of seems to go along the lines of, it would be nice if we could spend this time together. And, and it gets towards the role of looking like it's going to a certain place and then it fades to black. So you can infer what ah. has occurred afterwards. And and then your relationship with Delilah after going through this is very intimate feeling. They feel very familiar with each other after this point. And you can and then the you know both me and Federico went down this path. Uh <laughs> which is funny. Uh Shahid didn't, and he's married. Me and Federico are both in very committed relationships. But it was just funny to me that we both did this. And I was interested to see how people went, not even necessarily going through that, but 
what they did at the end. So what did you do at the end with Delilah? So I, so I feel like um, uh, it, 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 th- that scene that you're talking about, uh, if I remember it right, um, the... I mean, you definitely sense uh, a closeness between the two of them. I Maybe I didn't take the same path that you did, although it, it's definitely the case that after that fade out, their, their, uh, their relationship is tighter. But I felt like they were getting closer all the time. I felt like that was, that was part of the kind of adventure that they had together was him opening up to her and talking about the problems that were happening in his life. Um, and so, I mean, I read that into the relationship all along. And quite honestly, I got to the end and I, I thought... I, I thought I wanted to give this guy a, a shot at happiness. And so I absolutely asked uh, Delilah to come to Boulder. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So you, you were doing it as like a dis... Yeah. And I felt the same. As playing the game, like, you know, I got lost in the world. And which is, you know, exactly what you would want, right, from a game like this. And my kind of feeling was, if I am this guy... I felt connected to Delilah. Yeah. And yeah, which the which the game wants you to feel. Yeah. And and so my feeling was they should be together. Like the situation that he was in was not ideal. Um and there there was no right or wrong, which is one of the great things about this game, is there is no right or wrong. It's all grey. The decisions that you make and the paths that you take is all grey. Um and I, I really think that Whatever you choose, whatever decision you choose at the end of the game is not the right one. <laughs> well, I think that's true. Although I, I found, honestly, at the end of the game, I found myself, and listening to other people's take on the game afterward, I feel like my read of the game was just at odds with how the game viewed itself. Because I, I heard you guys talk about it, and that, this feeling that, uh, and you get the sense of like, this is about somebody who's running away. And that he needs to go back. And there are several points where there's sort of like this, this, I think the game makes you say, uh, am I running away from my responsibilities? Do I have a responsibility um, to my wife who doesn't remember me and is going to die? Um, and she's got family and she's going to go back to Australia and they're going to take care of her and all those things, right? And my thought was... I think this person has a responsibility to find a way to make a new life because his life that he had is over and shattered. Yeah. And so for the people who are judging like he's running away and he needs to just be by his wife's side who can't remember him and all that, it's like, she's gone, man. Yeah. I mean, and not to be cold about it, but I she's gone. She, she's gone. He, he can feel bad about it, but him being present for her to not remember him and go to the home and sit there, that's him not moving on. So for me, yeah. I felt like everything I wanted this guy to do, I didn't read it as him running away. I read it as him trying to find a way to a new life from his old life that had been destroyed. And so for me, I just, I can't read it the other way. I, I can only read it as um, he, so, so maybe nothing happens with Delilah, or maybe it's something that, I just wanted to give him a chance, right? Give him yeah. a chance at this person he's connected with because his life is in a, is in a shambles, yeah. And his wife is gone, and and he give give him give him a shot at it. So that's that is entirely how I interpreted it, and I viewed her sort of um, maybe I'll you know maybe I'll stop by on my way through sometime as a glimmer of hope and not a shutdown of like you know that's a little you know let's. 
let's let's get outside of the 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 summer and the drama here um and see if there maybe there's something there and maybe there's not but that was definitely how i read it as as uh and not as any sort of rebuke that he was uh he needed to go back and and fulfill his his responsibilities to sit by the bedside of the of the person who's dying and doesn't remember him and uh, that's that's how i read it yeah i i agree with many of those points like i felt the same as like his relationship with his wife is kind of over. Her family doesn't want him there. That, exactly. I got that feeling like they don't even want him there. They didn't trust him. And she and she can't literally like can't remember him. Yeah. It's reached the point where he is no good to her anymore. He is no help anymore. And he can feel guilty about it, but it doesn't change the fact that he's no help anymore and his life is with her is over and he needs to find a he needs to make a new life. And my feeling was Delilah wasn't necessarily saying no to him she was saying no for now i think she was my my feeling was she was trying to assess the summer loving aspect of it yeah absolutely i think absolutely i was always nice to her though i was i was not mean to her i was always non-judgmental of her as henry i was always like you know there's nothing you there's nothing you could have done Mm -hmm. i feel really bad you know he he was i I tried to keep him him uh, nice to her so that worked yeah i I haven't played a video game in a long time that when I played it, I just felt devastated. And part of it because was the idea of the rejection that you get at the end of the game. Like, me as Henry, like, we put ourselves out there and it was kind of like a... It was unexpected to me. Um, I thought that it was going to be... I thought that we were going to see Delilah. I thought that we were going there and she would be there. And yeah, and John Syracuse, of course, on The Incomparable was like, no, you'll never see her. It's another character. It's too expensive. And he's right. Yeah. He's right. I, I did. Somebody said, it might have been on your podcast, that um, that they went to the tram to try and go see her. And it was like out, turned off or out mm-hmm. of service or something. And I, I had thought about doing that, too. About like, why don't I just walk over there? <laughs> yeah, it's, but like, the it's game an emergency co- only that you can yeah. use it for. The the game conspires against you at that point. That it doesn't want you to take that path. But uh, great acting too. I, I wanted to say both of the voice actors did such oh. a great job. That's why yeah. I mean that was the key of the game. Um, That's it, the whole game yeah. is. It's basically right. I mean, it's like an audio book. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a it's a dialogue, and then you've also got this kind of walk through the woods. Mm-hmm. It's forest simulator. Um, yeah, really good game. I mean, the fact that we can talk about it like this, uh, that's not only does that show, I think why it's worth playing, but I think the, um, something that video games can do that a movie can't do is yeah. leave you with this ambiguity of your own actions and how they affect the game. Because a movie, you, you know, you are completely just watching what the, what the filmmaker is having you do, mm-hmm. but here you're given choices and you get to, uh, everybody's experience gets to be at least a little bit different. There's a weird uh, pairing recommendation, but I want to recommend a new Netflix show called Flaked. Um, it is Will Arnett, and it's fantastic. Um, it's very hipster. It's very music-focused, and it's very dark. Um, it's a kind of another thing where nobody's good. It's very real. I liked it a lot. Mm. We watched it over the weekend, binged the whole thing. It's like eight episodes. It's really good. I recommend it. For me, just there's something about these two things that go together in a way in my mind uh, that I don't know if they do for everybody else, but I really, really liked it. So I think people should check it out. Good show. Did you even? I didn't even know it existed uh, until I saw it when I was watching House of Cards. The co-host of another podcast that I that I host uh, did not like it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I I feel like this is a show that is really aimed at me, Mm. kind of from a tone perspective. Me and Adina loved it. I don't know who that person was that didn't like it. Uh, I don't know if this is an age style kind of background thing as to why you might dislike or like this show, but I feel like you have to be a certain type of person to really enjoy it. So, Have you seen Catastrophe? No, I don't even know what that is. Is that a movie? Oh, it's a Amazon Prime TV show. Okay. You should check it out. Okay. You think I'd like I it think... based on that? Uh, yes. Okay. It's uh it's based on that um uh, based on the fact that it is um I guess it was on Channel 4 too. But it here was. here in the US it it's Amazon it's on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon Prime original on in the US. Um, and it's a US UK thing, which I thought you might enjoy. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll have to look that up. Um, did was it you that said you enjoyed Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist? No, okay. it was not me. Okay, somebody that I knew recently liked that movie. If you like that movie, you will like Flaked. Okay, so there you go. So that that's that's my recommendation. I don't have anywhere else to recommend it. I enjoyed it. So, so that was it. that was Mike and Jason go to the video games. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've been we'd been threatening to do that, but we figured we were going to run out of time, so we just put it in today's show. Um, thank you. If you want to find our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash eighty. Thanks again to our lovely sponsors, IT Pro TV, Backblaze, and MailRoute. If you want to find Jason online, head on over to sixcolors.com, and he is at Jason L J S N E L on Twitter. I am at I Mike I M Y K E, and uh, we'll be back next week with coverage of the March twenty first Apple event. Until then, say goodbye, Mr. Snell. Bye, everybody. Bye.